Welcome to Real Marketers, where we hear from marketers who move fast, ask forgiveness, not permission, obsess about driving results, and are filled to the brim with crazy ideas and the guts to implement them. This is not a fireside chat, and there's absolutely no bullshit allowed here. And I'm your host, Stephanie Cox. I have more than 15 years of marketing experience, and I've pretty much done about everything in my career. I believe speed is better than perfection. I use the Oxford comma. I love Coca-Cola, have exceptionally high standards, and surround myself with people who get shit done. On this show, my guests and I will push boundaries and share the real truths about marketing and empower you to become a real marketer. Brand marketing. We all know the importance of brand, but why is it the first area of marketing that seems to get cut when there needs to be a budget reduction? Why is there this focus on always emphasizing demand generation versus brand? Even though I think all of us know in the long term, brand is what really plays out. So we're talking all about brand marketing today. In this episode, we chat with Elisa Padilla, former Senior Vice President of Creative Strategy and Partnership Marketing at Rock Nation. She has more than 25 years of marketing leadership experience at brands such as the Miami Marlins, Howard Hughes Corporation, Apple, Brooklyn Sports and Entertainment, and more. We're talking about why every marketer needs to invest more in brand today, how consumer expectations have dramatically changed since COVID-19, great examples of customer marketing and retention efforts, and so much more. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I am so excited to be here with you today. I am excited for this conversation. I think we're gonna have a lot of great topics to chat about. But before we dive in, I love to ask every guest, you know, tell me something about yourself that few people know. I think the one thing that few people know about me is that I am a dog lover and I am completely obsessed with my dogs. Um, and that translate that translates into every time I see a dog in the street, I stop and talk to the talk to the dog like they're a human. <laughs> I am kind of the same way. I have three dogs. Um, what? Hopefully, we don't hear any of them bark today. But no one ever knows. Yeah, um, no, I know. I'm hoping that that we don't hear them. <laughs> but I have. Um, I'm a big fan of dogs. Dogs are like family to me. So um, we have three small dogs. How about you? So I have two small dogs. They're Yorkie Poos. Uh, Trevor and Trey, and I am 100% agree with you. They're like family where if Trevor and Trey can't go somewhere, I'm not going. Yeah, my kids are like that now too. Um, they always <laughs> worry about, you know, what what are the puppies going to do if we leave the house? Right. <laughs> or, so, or, you know, before COVID, we used to talk, when we go on vacation, we take them to, to get boarded and we even call it puppy vacation. So the dogs know when they go on puppy vacation, they get real excited. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yes. Yeah, see, I, it's, I, I either take them with us and we, or we don't vacation where we can take them. Or if we can take them, I usually have someone come to the house to take care of them. Because again, like this is where I, I treat them like humans. Like the thought of putting them, you know, in a boarding place just doesn't feel right to me. So again, that just goes a little bit of insight to what people don't know about me and how I feel about these two little guys. 
love hearing about your dogs and would love to just start talking maybe about brand marketing. I know that's an area where you're really passionate. So before we kind of dive into all things brand, I'd love to just get you know your definition of what does brand marketing really mean or what should it mean to a marketer? So from my perspective, I think that brand marketing should should be a clear understanding of of the commitment that a brand is making to its consumers. Um, I think that, you know, you have to look at what is the brand promise and how is that being delivered in market and how is that being executed and is there consistency? So you can't say that you're offering um, the, you know, the the best coffee um, in the market and not holistically communicate the why and what your promise is to the consumer. And I think so many marketers know brand marketing is important, but at the same token, they also don't know how to think about it, measure it, or advocate for it. So when you think about investing in brand, how do you help convince other executives that this is where you, you know, it's worth the time and effort to build a brand? Yeah, it's that's actually a, a, a great observation. I think that in today's world, everything is so cluttered and marketers are so worried about getting a share of wallet that they don't stop to think that, okay, brand marketing is important because unless you're a legacy brand like McDonald's um, that has been around for 100 plus years, you need to continue to educate and reinforce your brand, your brand promise, and your offerings to consumers so that they're top of mind. It's it's really interesting because I think that there has to be a balance um, with between brand marketing and transactional marketing. It just can't be about going after customers for their dollars because customers are very, very savvy. And they, they you know, if you're not authentic, they, they smell you out. And I think that that's something that's really important. And I, I understand, in the, especially today, Stephanie, in the world that we're living in, how budgets are cut. However, I think that brand managers, CMOs need to advocate for brand marketing because the dollars are, are well spent in terms of getting new customers and also retaining your current customers. So let's talk a little bit more about that. I think you bring up a really great point which is a lot of times the first things that get cut when budgets are cut, right, is marketing overall. And then a lot yep. of times it's, you know, brand marketing or anything that tends to be, you know, a little bit more squishy where it's harder to measure the affinity, you know, your brand affinity. So when you start thinking about brand affinity overall, you know, how do you think about measuring that or helping just really anyone else in the organization understand the value that brand provides long term? Well, I think it starts with you you have to have a really good business analytics team 
internally that you can work with uh, alongside, you know, or who will work alongside marketing to do surveys, to do, to reach out to customers, to do focus groups. And I think that that's really important. I think that brands need to know that their relationship with their customers are two-way street. So you can't always and continuously just at your customers. And what I mean by that is just speak at them as opposed to being being in tune with how they're consuming your product, why they're consuming your product, and if there's anything else that your product should or shouldn't be offering. So I think that from a customer touch point, the surveying is very, very important to really, you know, keep a, um, the pulse on your your consumer needs and how your consumers are evolving because you can, you know, have a consumer who's purchasing your brand and their changes may, I'm sorry, their needs may have changed based on X, Y, and Z circumstance, right? So how do you continue to service them when their needs have changed in when you're looking at it through a retention lens? Well, one of the things that I just thought of as soon as you started talking about that was this idea of, you know, how do you communicate with your customers in a one-to-one manner? So I'd love to know more about how do you think about that? How do you think about, you know, those really, I think we all talk about personalization and how much it matters, but I think so few marketers understand what true one-to-one communication really means. So I'd love to get your perspective on that topic. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think, look, went from, from a, because from where I'm sitting, I always think about everything from the, through the consumer lens. So personalization is really important. And the next thing is know enough about your customer to understand how they're consuming information. Whether it's do they like um, you know direct mail? Do they like getting SMS t- messages? There is enough. There is enough technology out there, and you know, in enough research tools out there that you can drill down. Just getting past the person's name, right? So people, there are brands that think, oh, you know what? I'll we'll send out a blast email, and it'll just be personalized by the person's first name. Well, okay, again, one size doesn't fit all when it comes to one-to-one um, marketing, and I really think that knowing the deep details about your customer are really are really important. You know, I, I'll share a personal experience. One of my favorite um, car manufacturers is Volvo, and they I love their brand because they clearly communicate that not that they're they're all about safety. And I had a Volvo many many years ago, and what I used to walk into the dealership to get my car serviced, and they knew my name. Um, they they knew everything you know up, about my habits and my interaction with my car. And the reason that I highlight that is because they went the extra mile. Um, and I think that going the extra mile is really really important, sp- specifically in this competitive world that we're living in where consumers have so many choices. Well, and it's just, I think, you know, part of it too is digital, right? Like 
our expectations as consumers and the amount of information we expect a brand to have about us has just changed so rapidly, even in the last year, right? Our, I'm thinking back to like, you know, a year ago, I wouldn't have probably judged a company too harshly if I had to wait 15 minutes for them to come out and give me my curbside purchases. And now if the experience isn't as seamless as like Target is where it tells, you know, where it knows that I'm getting to their store and it tells me that I'm already there, right? Like it's just super seamless and they're out in five minutes. Like I now judge everyone because of that. So how do you think about, you know, state like one, making sure you're true to your brand, but then also like staying ahead or at least in line with the competition where those expectations are changing sometimes what feels like on almost a daily basis. Yeah, that's actually a really, really good point. And I think that the companies, the brands that are forward thinking, that are anticipating their customer needs are the ones that are winning in this space. So when I think about a brand like Apple, for example, where they're committed to enhancing people's lives through their devices, they're always one step ahead of you know their customers' potential needs. Um, the other one that I'll highlight is Starbucks. Um, Starbucks, I believe it was two years ago, they came out and they were closing, I think it was a hundred locations, physical brick and mortar locations, but they were going to do more pop-ups because what they learned, despite the fact that they, when Starbucks launched, it was all about, you know, having a place to go, a communal place to enjoy a cup of coffee their consumer needs had changed where they, they, it was enough for them to close a hundred brick and mortar stores and then open up a hundred plus pop-ups so that their customers could just come in and get their coffee because on the go was exceeding the in-store purchasing habits, right? So that to me is very, very, it's like fascinating. Starbucks, had enough information about their customers they were serving or they you know they were really studying their habits to really help them make that decision so when you think about the customer life cycle and you think about anticipating their needs like you know your example of target you know there's there's other retailers that are doing the same thing but had this pandemic not happened that probably would have I probably wouldn't have even been on their radar because I'm not sure that they were that forward thinking. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because that's one of the things like that I've noticed is how much digital transformations happened in the last 12 months because companies didn't have a choice and things that inexperiences in the way that they communicate with brand with their consumers from a brand perspective things that would have been really hard to do a year ago now seem like they're just commonplace because that's what they had to do in order to survive. So as you're thinking about, you know, planning out, you know, your brand and marketing strategy and thinking about obviously, right, brand affinity and creating brand advocates within your customer base, but also acquiring new customers, how do you balance the two? Because I think sometimes what a lot of marketers tend to do is, focus a little bit more on new customers and less on, you know, really growing existing customers and ensuring that they're loyal, even though we all know it costs more to 
acquire a new customer than it is to retain one. I think sometimes we forget that. But how do you think about balancing both? Because you need both to be successful. A hundred percent agree and echo your sentiments in regards to understanding that it costs more to acquire a new customer versus retaining your current customers. And I think that that all goes back to really understanding your customer. Well, I think even before, you know, when you think about your product offerings and your customers, right? And if you're growing your product offerings, how do you communicate that your new product offerings are going to be a benefit to your existing customers? Because I think that a lot of brands sometimes when they take they take their current customers for granted. So, you know, it's like, okay, you know, we have this, we have this product offering. Well, now we're going to, you know, we're going to launch this and our existing customers, of course, because they love our brand, they're going to consume this new product, but that's not necessarily the case, right? You have to, you just have to be really, really smart from a research and data perspective up front. Um, And it's really interesting because when you think about the marketing mix and you think about marketing dollars, right? You have the, the brand marketing, you have your, you know, your transactional marketing budget, what I what I call is, you know, to get new prospects and to get new customers. But then where's where where's the line item for retention? How do you reward your customers? You know, so even I'll use Starbucks and, and Dunkin' Donuts as an example. They launch their app. And you know what? You you buy a certain amount cups of coffee and you get a free coffee. And I can tell you, being a user of both apps, I get emails that, you know, I'm being reminded that, you know what, you're 10 points away from, you know, a free your next free cup of coffee or, you know, come in on Monday for, you know, X, Y, and Z. So they're touch points with me because I'm um, a frequent customer are very always top of mind and very relevant um, because I love coffee. (laughs) The other part that I love of what you mentioned is they know their customer base and consumers because they're also gamifying it a little bit, right? Like you're 10 points away and then all of us like, right? Like it's kind of like a challenge. Well, challenge accepted. Let me go take care of that. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And then they, it's, you know, it's the, they, they do, they do a, a nice balance. I feel of, you know, um, keeping their current, their loyalists continuing to build that loyalty, but then they also do a very nice job when they're, then when they're launching new products, um, you know, to get more people through their doors or through this, through, you know, through the drive through these days. So let's talk customer retention. And we've touched on it a couple of times, but when you think about, you know, really putting together and putting a lot of efforts around customer retention from a marketing perspective, what does that typically look like or what should it look like in your perspective? I think it's twofold. I think one is appreciation. You have to show your customers 
that you appreciate them. And whether that's through gamification, where they're spending money and, you know, you're, they're earning points. Um, that's one way, right? And then the second is surprise and delight. I think that, and what I mean by that is, you know, surprising your customers with the unexpected, you know, surprising your customers with something that it could be as small as when you go to pick up, you know, uh, the the pizza that you ordered that you give your customer, you know, um, a, you know, garlic bread. I don't know. I'm I'm using the restaurant reference because that's just what came to mind just in terms of the small things that you can do. But I really think that appreciation and surprise and delight that goes a long way because when you have a really good experience, you tell, you know, you're going to be almost become a brand ambassador for that brand. And I also think that retention efforts don't have to be lavish and cost companies tons of money. I think that sometimes marketers think that, oh, if I can't do X, Y, and Z, then it's not going to be worth it. However, on the flip side of that, I would challenge that thought process because I some I, I I firmly believe that you know it's the smaller things that matter the most and that go go the longest way. So when you talked about appreciation, you know I think my initial gut reaction is loyalty programs, which we've talked a little bit about. But if your business maybe doesn't set itself up for a loyalty program in a traditional sense. What are some other ways that you feel like customers can be appreciated that's meaningful for both the brand and the actual, you know, customer? It's that simple where if a brand knows your birthday, so do you get a birthday email and does that birthday email have a, an offer, you know, to drive you to store or to drive you to online or to drive for a purchase? And even though, you know, you're you're providing an offer it's still the thoughtfulness that it's like wow these folks know my birthday like okay this is great um the other thing is around holiday you know is there there's an opportunity for brands to again give a small token give a small gift um that doesn't have to be doesn't have to break you know a company's budget and it, and it could be it could be beneficial for not only the customer, but it could also be beneficial for the retail for the for the brand. For example, Christmas tree, the store that's a store here in the Northeast. They did a really, really good job in the month of December. Every morning I would get an email with these are the savings. And it wasn't like I, I had gone to the Christmas tree store like maybe twice before then, before I signed up to get their um, to, to get their email. But every day I was like, oh, here's something of value. And I felt appreciated. And it wasn't like they were giving me anything free. It was just the mindfulness in terms of the communication of these are the offerings that we have. There may be something in here as you're preparing for the holidays for you. So that's the, that's the kind of thing that I think about. And it's not, you know, email isn't, or even a text message. Um, those are low cost touch points that brands should be thinking about. 
I think that's such a great point. And I love that you mentioned the Christmas tree store because I love all things Christmas, not to derail us at all, but I would have loved that email. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thinking a little bit about like taking that one step further. So let's say you put into place a customer retention program. You know, do you typically recommend that that's part of, you know, like who owns that within marketing, right? I've seen different situations where sometimes there is a customer marketing person. Sometimes there's someone that owns retention. How would you recommend companies think about structuring that? I think that within the marketing department, um, well, you know what? I have two views on it. One is I think that it could either live within the marketing department under whether it's uh, retention or slash um, customer marketing, or it could live within the business strategy group um, and or business intelligence group because those folks that are looking at the data should be able to provide consumer insights from a behavior standpoint. And like I said earlier, you know, the, the business intelligence and the marketing group should be, you know, attached at the hip. So from a business um, intelligence perspective, how are they, they're seeing the trends, whether it's opting in or opting out. Um, so I, I, to me, it would, those would be the two views that I, that, that I would recommend. And I think one of the other things, since I mentioned it earlier, that I'd love to get, really just talk to you more about is I think sometimes people stick together, like combine, but also mix up what customer retention means versus customer marketing. And I think sometimes people think like, oh, well, we do customer retention because I ask people to do case studies for us, or I ask people to, you know, participate in social campaigns. How do you think? you know, separate the two, you know, one is really focused on appreciating customers and showing them the, that you find value and you are grateful for their loyalty, while the other is using customers to help you acquire more new customers. Like, does one have to come before the other? How do you make sure that they're separate, but also combined at the same time? That's a, that's a really, really interesting and really great question. And I think that it all goes back to number one, the the structure, right, within the brand. That's the 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 the, the first thing that I would say. And then the second is for the the head of marketing to really outline crystal clear objectives in terms of okay, this is what customer retention slash loyalty looks like. Um, these are the goals. These are the objectives. This is how we're going to get there. And this is the why. And then on the customer um, marketing piece of it, making it as crystal clear. And while they're both tied to driving revenue, right? Because, you know, if you, you want, in either funnel, you want customers spending money with you. But I think it ha it starts at the top where, you know, the head of marketing has to make it crystal clear and, you know, put that line in the sand in regards to there are two different funnels and this is how they may or may not cross. And this, you know, pr provide clarity on that strategy and how it's going to be executed. 
because it could also be it could also be con confusing from a customer perspective, right? And the last thing that you want is for your customer to be confused about the communication from a brand uh, from the brand perspective. There's just a wealth of knowledge about all things brand marketing and customer retention. I'd love to end with, you know, what's the one or two things that you think most marketers should be doing and aren't, or the biggest mistakes that they're making in regards to these topics? I think the biggest mistake that they're making is that they're taking them for granted. I think that they're taking for granted that customers are thinking about their brand and that the customers are top of mind versus, you know, always top of mind. I think that that's the biggest thing. And the second thing is that brand marketing and customer retention matters. It's not solely about acquisition. Um, and the way that I look at it is that if you have a, a strategic, you know, if you have a strategic view, if you have a strategic plan, and you know you are you execute it flawlessly, and you and you have churn. You know whether a customer decides whatever the case may be when it you know the customer isn't if you're not seeing the results from the customer. I think that at that point it's like okay, you know what we need to move on. But I don't think that brands are being that diligent, and I don't think that they're being that detail in terms of having that be a priority because. Yes, it's great, you know, cast a wide net, get tons of customers, but then if you don't keep them, how are you going to, how are you, how are you going to sustain your business? Surprise and delight. One of the things that I love that Elisa said was this idea of surprising and delighting your customers and how it doesn't have to be expensive. And I think her example of garlic bread was a great one. You know, if a pizza place gave you free garlic bread when you pick up your pizza or through delivery, you'd be surprised and delighted by that. And the cost to them is very minimal. So think about ways that you can surprise and delight your customers today. It doesn't have to be this grand expensive gift. It could be something small, but how can you go out of the way to make your customers feel really appreciated? You've been listening to Real Marketers. If you love what you've heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. And don't forget to tell a friend. All of this marketing goodness shouldn't be kept a secret. <laughs>